Hey everyone, I'm Coach Mike and welcome to this episode of the MindFit Method Podcast. All right, we are going to dive right in today because this is a very exciting topic. Um, we're going to talk about uh, kind of the last three years to start in the world of education, both public education, um, some private, some charter school education, and definitely higher education. Because I think we could safely say that the last three years in the education industry has been rough. It's been a disaster in many ways. Um, it's been frustrating in many ways. It's been politicized in many ways. Um, but as crazy as all of that was, I do not think that is going to be nearly as disruptive as a new app that has come out in the world of artificial intelligence called ChatGPT. So the giant question is this, how do we as parents, teachers, school administrators, policymakers, coaches, how do we prepare our kids for a future that doesn't yet exist? All while making them healthier, more creative, more innovative, better problem solvers, and overall successful contributors to society. That is the question, and this podcast has the answers. My name is Coach Mike, and welcome to the MindFit Method Podcast. All right, so let's just do a look back for a minute and kind of refresh some of the things that have happened over the last several years. So one of the big things, um, honestly, was all the way back uh, 2020, COVID happened, right? Um, all of a sudden, we went from in-school learning environments to remote school learning environments. And... There were some teachers that really put their heart and soul to it, that did an incredible job, and there was a lot of teachers that failed miserably at it. They weren't equipped uh, to be able to handle that situation. There were school districts that did not have the technology or even the infrastructure to be able to handle um, that shift in an alerting uh, situation. Then um, it got really interesting because suddenly not only did you know, teachers and students have to learn and teach from home. But since parents were home at the same time, parents got to see what a day in the life of a teacher was and what they are actually teaching. And a lot of people were not very impressed. A lot of people were not very happy. Um, and whether or not that was fair or not, it's hard to say, because remember, if you're not used to teaching in a remote environment, um, it's very difficult to suddenly pick up and say, okay, I got to do this now. Because remember, anytime you start something new, you're usually not very good at it, but we're going to start something now. And then everyone's instantly going to judge how it went. But regardless, people are still saying, okay, but I'm still paying my taxes. I still expect, you know, quality education for my child and I'm not seeing it. And in fact, what I'm seeing was terrible in many cases. Um, but again, there were some situations where it was phenomenal. So that kind of opened up a whole new world. And, you know, for the last decade, homeschooling has been growing anyway for many different reasons. Some of them were political. Some of them are religious. Some of them are family. Some of them just believe they can do it a much better education environment uh, for their child and they can move their children so much faster um, through curriculum. And I've worked with homeschool students uh, for several years and I can tell you that absolutely does happen. Um, so, but from this situation, homeschooling itself 
um, grew even more. So there was homeschooling and then there was remote schooling. They were not the same things. Let me be clear. And then all of a sudden people were realizing, you know what? I saw what it was like. Well, I saw what the curriculum's going on. I saw how the teachers are teaching. I'm not okay with it. So now homeschooling is shooting up even faster than it was before, even though it was growing um, exponentially in the past before COVID even happened. So that kind of occurred. And then um, you know, people are, you see this in the news all the time of all these um, students and, and groups that are begging for student loan forgiveness on the higher education side because everyone's saying that, you know, I spent $50,000 a year or $200,000 for a bachelor's degree that I can do nothing with. There's no return on the investment. I did not acquire any skills while I was in school. And at the same time, companies, big tech companies like Apple, Google, Facebook are all coming out and saying, yeah, we don't care if you have a degree. We only care if you can do X. And if you can do X and you can do it well because you have this skill, then we don't care if you have a degree. So suddenly the value of um, of a higher education degree has drastically diminished and the perception of a higher education degree has diminished. diminished. Add to that all of the news reports of all of the political leanings of colleges, of students, and a lot of parents now are just saying, you know what, I don't think this is what's right for my child. Uh, I heard a great story not too long ago of, um, of a parent who has two kids, and one of their kids is a um, uh, director of social media marketing at a pretty big company. And her other child um, is an electrician, started his own, you know, he apprenticed, learned the trade, and now has his own electrical company. And they told me a great story. They were like, you know, it's unbelievable when people ask about my kids, they say, oh my gosh, how is your daughter doing? Because, you know, she has her four-year degree in social media marketing. She's now working as a social media marketing director. Um, and, you know, how is she doing? Oh my gosh, it's so great. And then when they talk about um, her son and they ask about her son, they're like, oh, you know, it's just such a shame that he didn't go to school to have something to fall back on. And I'm sure he'll do okay as an electrician. And this parent laughs. And they're, again, they're not picking on or comparing either one of their kids, but they're like, the perceptions of people are completely insane because my son, who is an electrician, is making four times the amount of money that my daughter is, although my daughter has a title and a degree. So again, the perceptions of things are just so skewed today. But all in all, all of these situations have created a perception that the knowledge that education is giving kids today is completely just not valued in the same way anymore. And while the last several years have definitely been disruptive in the world of education, there's now going to be what I'm going to say is almost like a golden era in education, but at the same time, it's going to be the most disruptive thing that has probably ever happened in the education uh, segment ever in history. And that is what is happening with ChatGPT. So you may have heard about ChatGPT in the news right now. It's in articles everywhere. It's on news stories all over the place. A lot of people still don't understand what ChatGPT is. So essentially, it is a very, very popular artificial intelligence-based program that individuals are using for generating dialogues. Um, essentially, it's a chatbot that has a language-based model that 
the developer, which is uh, OpenAI, has fine-tuned for human interaction in a very conversational manner. So it's different from, first off, a lot of people don't realize this, ChatGPT is not connected to the internet. It is not a search engine. It is a language dialogue model. Essentially what that means is it's not going, if you ask it a question, it's not then jumping on Google and searching Google. That is why if you've ever used ChatGPT before, you'll notice that it does not know anything since, um, anything after 2021, Okay, because its language model, all of the coding that has happened with it um, has only happened up through 2021. So it's not searching relevant news today. Um, And you'll see right now it is um, limited, but um, there's already a lot of stories going on in uh, the world of higher education about uh, how they're going to manage plagiarism essentially through chat GPT. But I'm telling you right now, they're not asking the right question, and we're going to get to that in a little bit. But essentially, ChatGPT, um, it's pre-trained generative chat, uh, which makes use of actually what's called NLP, which is natural language processing. Uh, The source of its data is not the internet. It's um, just the internet. It's textbooks, it's websites, it's articles that it uses to model its own language for essentially responding to human interaction. Now, currently, we are in the third iteration or um, GPT-3 model, um, so it is very early on what's happening. But the growth of what is going on with ChatGPT is like nothing we have ever seen in history. Let me explain what I mean. So usually, when you come out with a new product, um, you know, you get these test groups, you get um, these early adopters that start utilizing it. Even if you go back to the iPhone, you know, Steve Jobs was looking for the early adopters to start incorporating the iPhone into their lives. ChatGPT is literally jumping over so many hurdles that uh, new products usually face at a rate that we've never seen before. So let me give you an example. Um, it took nine months for TikTok to reach 100 million active monthly users, okay? For Instagram, it took two and a half years, okay? Um, In comparison, and this is gonna blow your mind, uh, in comparison, after just being here for 60 days, two months, uh, ChatGPT already has 100 million monthly users, 100 million monthly unique users. That is unbelievable and numbers that we have never before seen in history. So essentially right now, if you've ever used a chatbot before, um, you go into uh, ChatGPT, which is uh, an open AI product. Just Google it. You can find it. Um, You have to sign up in order to be able to use it. It is currently free, which may be some of the reason that the uh, the adoption of it is so uh, quick. But Instagram, Facebook, all of those things were free too and have not nearly grown at the rate that um, ChatGPT is growing. So you log on and then you'll find it just, you know, you have a little cursor and you can ask it a question. Now, what's neat about it is that if I ask it um, a question and it answers my question, I can then instantly ask a follow-up question to continue the conversation and it already knows what I'm saying. So let me give you an example. Um, I could say, uh, 
what is ChatGPT? And it will give me an answer. And then I can say, great, how does it work if it's not connected to the internet? And then it gives me an answer. And then I can ask another question. It gives me an answer. I don't have to keep rephrasing my question um, so that it completely understands. I have seen this used for many different things. And my kids and I have both played with it. Um, the one day my son and I wrote into the uh, into the question area where you, where you write whatever you want it to do. I wrote... Um, please write a country song about whiskey and corn. And literally in 10, 15 seconds, it wrote an entire song about whiskey and corn. It had all the verses, it had the bridges, it had the chorus, it had the pre-chorus, it had everything. Now, it was all the lyrics. There was no music that was attached to it. But think about, I mean, that is going to change a songwriter's world because suddenly um, this artificial intelligence can do it literally in 15 seconds. And I have to say, when I read what it actually wrote, it really wasn't that bad. And it can be used for a wide variety of tasks. It can write silly poems. Um, my son was actually had homework for his English class, and they were doing different types of poetry. And after he finished everything, uh, he went to bed. So I kind of sat down at the computer and I said, you know, write. And I forget what specific type of poem I asked it to write. And boom, three seconds later, it wrote the whole thing for me. And then I asked it to write another one. I said, write another one. Write another one. Write another one this time about sunshine and flowers. And boom, it just kept spitting them out as fast as I could type the question, it was giving me a response, and it, which is just crazy. Um, so, you know, a lot of the conversation today is now talking about cheating on college essays. And, you know, there's all these people now that are trying to write new programs that identify if a college essay is being written by um, a chatbot like ChatGPT or being written by a student. But as I said before, they're asking the wrong question. And here's why. Many, many, many years ago, when I was in second grade, I remember struggling in math class. And my math teacher, Mrs. Hartman, um, said something to me. And I said, well, I don't understand why I just can't use a calculator. And she said back to me, well, you know what? You're not always going to have a calculator. <laughs> Ms. Hartman was completely wrong. Because at the time, that was correct. But today, we have a calculator everywhere. We have them in our watches. We have them in our phones. I mean, there's calculators everywhere. I don't even need to plug in the numbers anymore because I can use something like Siri or I can use something like uh, Amazon Alexa. And boom, I can just you know ask it a question and it spits the answer right back out at me. So they're asking the wrong question when they're saying, how are we going to prevent students from... Um, essentially plagiarizing artificial intelligence when they write their papers. And here's why they're asking the wrong question. Because the knowledge that is needed to write those papers is no longer relevant. So for all you English teachers that are out there right now, you're probably hating me because you're saying, how can you say that? Kids need to learn how to write. Mm, I agree. But Kids don't research the same way today that they re that we researched back when we were kids, right? We had to go to a library and do research when we had to write a paper. We had to go to an encyclopedia to research when we had to write a paper. Who still who is using libraries and research? I'm sorry, libraries and um, and encyclopedias today. They're not. They're using the internet for almost all of their research, right? So to think that. 
kids are going to be writing their own information in the future, writing their own papers, writing their own ad copy, writing their own books, anything at this point. Honestly, let's be serious. It's insane because they're not. And I'm going to tell you the number one reason why. Because the artificial intelligence will be able to do it better. So think about this in a moment about writing a commercial, right? So a company comes to um, an interactive artificial intelligence company and says, I want you to write me a commercial for my new product, which does this, 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 and this. Now, it's not just that it's a language model and it will be able to write the best copy for the ad. It's also the fact that it will be able to interact with maybe the closest 30,000 products, 30,000 commercials, 30,000 ad copies that have worked in the past and be able to model it and replicate it faster than we've ever been able to do it before in a way that actually, you know, um, sparks our dopamine production in our brain and has the highest likeliness of getting someone to buy the product. Scary, right? Sounds like we're plugged into the matrix. Well, we are working towards that, believe me. But right now with ChatGPT3, we are limited on the inputs and the outputs. So essentially to communicate with artificial intelligence or with ChatGPT to be specific on this um, type of app, the only way that we're communicating with it right now is by typing in our question and then it is typing a response back to us. But we already have voice-activated technology for everything. Again, Siri, Alexa, uh, Google, all of those things. We have all that voice-activated technology. So as we further future innovations or future iterations, essentially, of ChatGPT, I would imagine that's one of the first things that's going to change. Not only is it going to expand its knowledge of what it has, but it's also going to expand its inputs and its outputs, which essentially means that um, you're going to be able to talk to it and it's going to be able to talk back to you or give you the information via a different method than just typing the, the information back to you. But think about this. If it can write books, if it can write poems, if it can write ad copy, if it can write college essays, and it can do it better than any human can, wouldn't you say that that is probably one of the most disruptive things in the world? So essentially what the question that colleges should be asking is not how do we prevent students from plagiarizing artificial intelligence. The question is what are we going to do now that the knowledge that we are giving students is no longer valuable? Because that is exactly where we are going because a machine or an artificial intelligence interface can answer any question and write everything better in just a few years than any human can. So is this terrifying? Yes, of course it's terrifying because it's completely different and it's going to allow things like quantum computing. It's going to allow things like nuclear fusion because this technology is going to figure out the problems that we as humans haven't figured out. Now, you're probably thinking, okay, so what's the downside of that? Well, there's not. And I do believe there's going to be almost what you would call like a golden age. Alex Hermosi in one of his recent podcasts uh, kind of talked about this. There's going to be a golden age that winds up coming from this. But with these golden ages and with, you know, when you suddenly cure diseases that we've never been able to cure before, how does that affect economies? Because we have entire industries that are dependent upon sick people, including the healthcare industry. And I think if we think about, you know, I remember the Jetsons growing up as a kid, 
right? Uh, for those of you that remember watching that cartoon, uh, they had their robot that did like all their house cleaning and stuff like that. And I think we kind of thought that that is what we'd already have by this point, right? We'd have all these robots that did all these things for us, um, which sounds really great. But before you have the robot, you have to have the artificial intelligence. Well, we already have the robots. If you guys have ever watched the videos from Boston Dynamics, what their robots could do, they could do parkour, they can lift up heavy objects, they never get tired, they just need a quick recharge. Like It's insane. They're doing backflips off of platforms. Um, it's crazy. So we already have the robots. But now, because of the world of ChatGPT, now we've developed the artificial intelligence as well. So what's going to happen is those worlds are going to merge together and suddenly you are going to have robots that have artificial intelligence. This literally sounds like Skynet from the Terminator movies to me. And yes, it is terrifying. So the question becomes in the education sector, how is this going to change everything? And believe me, it is going to change everything. And the first question that's probably coming to everyone's mind is in the next, just the next few years, Will teachers become completely irrelevant? And that is a real possibility. It could be three years, could be five years, it could be 10 years. But yes, teachers will probably become irrelevant for several reasons. Number one, um, if artificial intelligence can teach kids better using the learning style that that child specifically uses, whether they're a visual learner, whether they're an auditory learner, whether they're a reading learner, whatever it is, um, and they can identify exactly what that child needs and then prescribe the exact type of education that that child will most likely learn at the fastest pace, yes, teachers will become completely irrelevant. Artificial intelligence doesn't call in sick. You don't need to find substitutes. In fact, you don't even need a building anymore because students can learn it all at home. And if you ask most students today, most students feel that they learn more on five minutes of YouTube than they learn in six hours of school. So this will be adopted by younger generations so fast because there are in many ways, they already have viewed education as not really having any value to begin with. So this is going to completely change the education world in ways that we've never seen before. And that's at the young school level. College is go college could literally become almost irrelevant outside of just a few industries because it is going to change what jobs are needed in the world because artificial intelligence is absolutely going to take people's jobs, but it's probably not going to take the ones that you think. Because again, if we go back to that, thinking about the Jetsons, they had that robot that was doing all their cooking, their cleaning, all of those things. Um, but again, you need that interface. The first jobs that this um, uh, technology is going to replace are actually not blue collar jobs that require that mechanical lifting work. It's go because they don't have the interfaces yet. It is going to take away white collar jobs. It's going to take away accountants because if artificial intelligence can just look at every single number that a company has and then boom, derive everything it needs from it with a few spreadsheets in just a few minutes, you're not going to need accountants. Go to the education side. You're not going to need teachers and artificial intelligence is going to be able to teach you faster. You might not even need doctors right? Because if you think about how medicine is practiced, it's an if-then process, right? If you have this system, if you have this symptom, then you may have this, unless you have that, like it's a, it's a checklist. Medicine uses a checklist um, process. 
uh, artificial intelligence can do that instantly and probably diagnose you better because it can look at the last 60,000 cases that just came in with someone with your symptoms and be able to identify in 18 seconds what exactly you have and what the best course of treatment is. If you're an author, if you're a writer, if you're an you know, if you work in marketing and sales media, all of those jobs are going to be affected by artificial intelligence in ways we've never ever imagined. And I'm not talking about like pie in the sky things where we're talking 20 years, 30 years from now. I'm talking probably in the next 36 months, 5 years, 10 years max. The entire world is going to be different. So kids that are in school today, I mean, we've always said that you know, how do you prepare kids for a future that doesn't yet exist? Well, the rate of which the future is going to come at us due to artificial intelligence is going to be faster than anything we've ever seen before. Knowledge itself is going to have a completely different value because there will be no value in memorizing knowledge when it's instantly at your fingertips. We're already at that to a point now with things like Google um, because I can just look up anything I need to know. Um, I don't need a mechanic to fix my snowblower anymore because the belt breaks on my snowblower. All I literally have to do is jump on YouTube and five seconds later, someone posted a video of how to do this. Well, a chatbot can lead you to that video even faster and tell you exactly what to do through a vocal interface instead of the current written interface that you'd have to use now. And I know that sounds like a lot of doom and gloom because you're probably thinking, well, then what type of industries or jobs or anything else are going to survive once all of this happens? And one of the things that we're going to see is that, especially initially, um, those that are going to be the most successful are those that know how to harness the power of artificial intelligence. So if you're an author, you may be able to write 10 times the number of books that you'd normally write, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, because of utilizing this artificial intelligence. Right now, if you're a teacher, you may find ways to integrate artificial intelligence into your lessons and utilize that information to be able to teach kids better. Um, if you're a doctor, you may be able to write in uh, what someone's symptoms are with their entire background and be able to get more information out of artificial intelligence than you can out of looking through as many medical journals as you can read in 12 hours. But now you can do it in 18 seconds. So it's going to be those that are able to harness the power of this artificial intelligence initially that are going to succeed and actually thrive in this. Where it leads after that, we have no idea. And there's truly no way to predict it. But what I can tell you is the CEO of OpenAI, who um, created ChatGPT, his name is Sam Altman, um, he is already looking at things that 10 years down the road are going to create like, you know, universal basic income because it's going to replace so many jobs. Um, AI, in his opinion, could actually generate enough wealth in 10 years to give every adult in the United States $13,500 a year. And he just wrote an essay on this called Moore's Law for Everything. And he was actually quoted recently as saying, um, this is his quote, my work at OpenAI reminds me every day about the magnitude of the socioeconomic change that is coming sooner than most people believe. Software that can think and learn will do more and more of the work that people do now. So, I mean, essentially, he knows that this uh, technological breakthrough is going to replace millions and millions of people's jobs. And they're already looking at what a UBI or universal basic income would need to be because of all of this. That is insane. It is absolutely insane. This is actually going to possibly change the way that capitalism actually works. 
Um, because so much of the work that humans have done for so long is going to be completely replaced. And I'm not talking about um, work that's just, um, you know, from a factory standpoint, because a lot of those factory jobs have either been outsourced or they've now been replaced by robots. I'm talking about jobs that actually require thinking, creation of content. This is something that we've never, you know, literally ever seen before. So guys, stay tuned on this. Do yourselves a favor. If you start to see these articles about ChatGPT and how it's going to change things, um, read them because this is going to impact everyone in a very small amount of time, Um, whether it's in the healthcare, the housing, the education world, starting a company, it's going to affect everything going forward. Um, Pay attention. Don't let this one catch you, uh, sideswipe you in that way. You're going to want to stay up to date on what's going on. And honestly, if you're a business owner or whatever your position is, I would start looking to say, how can I use ChatGPT um, and it's in its current interface to be able to maximize what I do or make me more um, productive in my job because it will do that. Uh, don't be afraid of these things. You're going to have to dive in and use it because it is not going away. Again, after just 60 days, it already has 100 million users and this is absolutely going to change the world. Hey everyone, I hope you guys like this episode. Don't forget, as scary as all this artificial intelligence stuff is, your brain is still a supercomputer and you can harness and even uh, enhance what your brain can do going forward. If you haven't gotten your free copy of The MindFit Method, go to themindfitmethod.com and pick up your free book. Until next time, everybody, have a great day.